For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. We'll talk to our athletic college football writer, Bruce Feldman, who is all over this crazy story out of the Pac-12 where a group of college football players and other athletes have gotten together in a hashtag WeAreUnitedFront, uh, which seems a lot like the unionization or attempt to unionize of the Northwestern football team back in 2015. This group of athletes is calling for a list of demands for a more safe season and protocols surrounding COVID-19, economic impact, and social justice impact, and what the NCAA and the Pac-12 plan to do about it for 2020. It's Wednesday, August 5th. It's a pleasure now to welcome in from our own athletic, Bruce Feldman covers college football. He's been all over this Pac-12 story. And Bruce, I'm going to open this up, I guess, not with a football topic. Our producer, Brian Smith, who is booking guests and, and you know chased you down to come on the podcast today, said that when he texted you about coming on with Adam Copeland, you think you know me. You said you didn't have much wrestling knowledge anymore. Of course, referencing the uh, the WWE superstar Edge of the tag team Edge and Christian. He and I share a name, Bruce. <laughs> I, you know what? I apologize for that because when I saw that, I was like, man, I work with Chris Vanini is a humongous wrestling fan on our college football site. And uh, I used to be a big wrestling fan. I just, we have kids now and I just don't have a chance to watch it. And I was like, okay, this will be interesting. And Brian Smith's the one with the common name. Your name is not that common. (laughs) So, and then I Googled it and I was like, well, he has a podcast. So I was like, all right, you know, I guess. And I knew he was a Canadian wrestler. So I was like, oh, maybe he's into college football. And then I realized it was a little bit of a sigh of relief because I wasn't gonna have to fake it or whatever. Just (laughs) fake that I haven't watched pro wrestling in a few years. I did an interview around Super Bowl time. We get all these crazy guests, you know, that that do the radio row stuff at Super Bowl week. And uh, I had the big show on, uh, used to be the giant. And he came on and same thing. He thought, I figured if I was talking to Adam Copeland, he could have just shot me a text. Like I didn't have to go through his, his media guy, but we had a good laugh about it. So anyway, good to have you on, man. Good to have you talking college football. And we had a big story break this weekend, basically like a player Alliance is getting together the We Are United front from the Pac-12. There's a great article right now on The Athletic called How the Potential Pac-12 Football Player Boycott Came to Be. What can you tell us about how this happened, what we're looking at, and then we'll get into some of the more details about this potential boycott. Yes, it really started basically about two months ago, and not even two months ago, really about a month ago, where Jake Curran, who's an offensive lineman, is a multi-year starter for Cal, had already had some concerns, and then he read a story on CBSSports.com where a uh, computer science professor at the University of Illinois had talked about his projection of how many FBS players would get infected by COVID. And really, the, the big wow thing was that three to seven players would die from it. And I think at that point, this player and several of his teammates started to mobilize a little bit of say, hey, is there's more we need to do on our behalf. And they engaged several other players in their conference, most notably Javon Holland, who initially when this story started to really take off this weekend, Javon Holland was the biggest name attached to it. I mean, he is a All-American caliber defensive back at Oregon. And then it started to go from there. One thing that we really spent a lot of time with at The Athletic in the last 36 hours, 48 hours working on that story was trying to assess just how big of a movement this actually was. Because from our reporting, there were no player votes taken and there really was limited discussion internally. So as we talked to college administrators in the conference, one of the things that they really are trying to sort out is what happens now in terms of 
How do they assess it? Meaning you can support it by retweeting your teammates or tweeting about it. But does that mean, yes, you support those guys, but does that mean you are also going to be part of it where you're going to opt out and not play? And I think that's a different dynamic than the other part of it. And then also in our reporting, we found that Ramogi Huma, who is a former UCLA player from years ago, he has been really advising this and is one of the driving forces behind it. And for if the name sounds familiar to some people, Ramogi Huma was also the driving force behind the Kane Coulter unionization story at Northwestern years ago. And also Romogi Huma was a driving force behind. There was a story in the LA Times about two months ago about player demands. And the interesting thing on that front was after the Times story came out, uh, The Athletic, we had talked to some players and they found there was a little bit of an element. What they found was a little bit of a bait and switch in terms of what the players signed off, uh, signed their names to as was not exactly what was part of this letter that the Times got. That's the part where I think it's like, okay, what do we make of this going forward? It's definitely real, but it's like, how big is the movement? How much bigger does the movement get? And I think that's kind of what we're figuring out as we go through this. There are a lot of different angles to this thing, and you've hit on on a bunch of them right there. I kind of want to hit on this one, though, and it's that I think in putting something together like this, when we're trying to gauge and monitor and figure out uh, how big of a movement this is, is that not all college athletes, especially in in college football, are created equal. And by that, I mean that there are some guys on scholarships. There are some guys who cannot afford to take a year off, not just based on the scholarship, but based on the generational change that they think maybe attending school or playing professional football could have on their life and in their family. So I guess my question to you is, how will they measure any level of success here? Because they've asked for several different things. They've asked, you know, for health and safety protocols kind of generally across the board per COVID-19. They've asked about Black Lives Matter. They've asked about economic rights. So what is the focus of this and how will they gauge success? That's a great question. I'm not sure that there is an answer in terms of you may get 10 different answers if you ask 10 different people who are involved with it. I think the part that got a lot of people's attention where they kind of like rolled their eyes at was when they saw about a 50-50 revenue split. Who's going to negotiate on that part on their behalf? Do they have an accounting team? Do they have a finance team? Some of those other things that I think probably sounded great when people were throwing ideas around. I think practically, I think that there's a lot of people there who are going to go, all right, we know we're not going to get everything. I think from the discussions that I've had with college football coaches in the Pac-12, they feel like they make some really compelling points. Not all points are compelling, but some of them are. And so I think some of the health and wellness issues, I think they are significant. Not just significant. I think they're also things that I think that they will probably have potential engagement on. I think on some of the social justice front, I think there is also a really good chance to get more traction on that because I think some of those things that people in the Pac-12 and leadership in the Pac-12 are very open to. As it related to, again, I brought the Ramogi Huma UCLA story from a couple months back. Some of the demands that they put out and that were like big bullet point things, those were things that actually we looked into it were things UCLA was already lined up to do. So it was like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was much ado about nothing, But that part of it made it seem like it was a little overblown. I think there's some things here. I don't want to say these are overblown, but I think there's things here 
where I think they will probably be met with a very receptive audience from the Pac-12. And I think some of that stuff, like you talked, the health and safety stuff, some of those things are measurable. You can, you know, put these things or these protocols in place and say, okay, X, Y, and Z is working and we've got to do this across the board as a conference. And maybe that helps games just within the Pac-12 continue like they'd want to do. But then you've got other things that are, as we talked about, sort of tough to measure. Like I'm looking at the one, the number one thing on the, the hashtag we are united players tribune piece was quote to ensure future generations of college athletes will be treated fairly now elijah molden the cornerback was he out of washington is that where he plays he's washington's second generation player dad was a really good player at oregon really good player really thoughtful kid too on top of it he had tweeted out some thoughts basically saying look i support this i think this is great but there are some things here that i don't totally agree with and we might be kind of grasping at straws and he said he supports the sentiment of the boycott but doesn't necessarily see how some of this will get done or is useful do you share that sentiment because i i sort of think the same way that i look at some of these if demands are the right term and i say there's not really a way to prove that that generational change has happened no and i agree i think you have a very realistic reasoned view that elijah molden shared there and look i mean he's got joe tryon is one of the better players on washington one of his teammates he is involved in this. Ty Jones on as a receiver there, another starter. They want to be supportive, and I don't think they want to be to dismiss some of the momentum and kind of throw water on this. But I thought what Elijah Molden said, I think a lot of people probably agreed with. Hey, look, and one thing that I would say on this, Adam, is you know we see stuff on social media, and it's usually one extreme or the other. And I think with this story. Uh, when we did it, the story we did in the athletic is one thing, but like there was an SI story, which they had the cooperation of the guy behind this movement, Ramogi Huma. And so you had some of the players quoted right out of the gate. And I tweeted one of the quotes from Javon Holland and it got a ton of retweets and a ton of likes. And I think a lot of people were, were in agreement, but there was a lot of people also who were outraged by it. And I think that what sometimes you have with something like this, and again, we can read too much into Twitter. I'm guilty of it as much as anybody, <laughs> Same, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think when people get outraged by something and they dismiss it and put it away, then all of a sudden, I think that they're quick to just throw everything out. And that's probably not what's going to happen here. And I wonder sometimes if, you know, the Elijah Molden perspective is a much more healthy approach to this in terms of, hey, this is more manageable. You're probably going to have a chance to, to get more people on board when you when you talk about it this way. I was kind of looking at it that way and thought, you know, maybe it's obvious that pandemic stuff, the health and safety things that they do on the field or to get on the field are crucial and are tangible for this season. Like we can look at that and say this needs to be changed in order to play football. But I think one of the things that we need to note here is that this is a, an opportunity to highlight some problems with college athletics and with the NCAA because all attention is on how we're treating these athletes to get back on the field for a fall football season potentially. And I think something else to point out here is that the players – it seems to me don't believe, and I think some people would agree, that the NCAA has their best interest and their health interest in mind, especially because the people who are making the health and safety protocols are the ones set to make some money off of this season happening. Yeah, and that's that's where it gets traction, I think, on this front too, especially you know what it, what the movement is Sunday as opposed to what it is maybe three days from now when they're talking about health and safety issues. If it starts to come out that there are more significant health 
issues that have been experienced by college football players in this, we haven't heard any of those go public if they exist. Now, if they do exist and they haven't been made public and then all of a sudden they start to, I think all of a sudden that adds that then all of a sudden, this may not just be a Pac-12 thing, by the way, also. You know, Amari Rogers is one of the better receivers in college football. He plays at Clemson. He tweeted about something just earlier today as we're taping this, I want to say within the last hour, about his feeling on the NCAA and college football needs unions. Those are not small voices going in when you know you're talking about a leader on the team is putting that out there players unions are needed in the ncaa that's going to get people's attention and when i say people i mean that's going to get other college football's attention if you think this is only a pac-12 issue i think you're kidding yourself i'm not saying that other you know acc players or sec players may not form a union and take it to greg sankey or take it to the conference commissioner or whatnot but I think there's going to be a lot more support around the country because in this day and age of social media, people are way more connected now than they ever were. And you start throwing around, you know, labor terms like that and, and unionization. I think there are a lot of people that believe the only way that a labor movement can start is with a work stoppage. And, and that may be what they're trying to get done here. So I'm with you. I think it can be wider spread than uh, just the Pac-12. Really do appreciate the time today, Bruce. I know you're a busy guy. I know this is a, a hot topic, but uh, well, we love to get your perspective on this being that, that you're at The Athletic with us. So get back to watching SummerSlams or WrestleManias or whatever your, uh, your pay-per-view of choice is for the WWE, man. All right. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. A crazy story we'll have to continue to monitor as the Pac-12 players try to stand together, stand united, and we'll see what Larry Scott's response is to this. They have said that they're looking over the demands and the wishes of the players. You know, we even call it the United Players Formation here, and they will respond. But we'll see uh, what that response is, and if any of that, as we've talked about, is tangible change at all. For full coverage of sports in the Bay Area, subscribe to the update on Google Podcasts. The Athletic is the world's fastest-growing sports media publication. Get in-depth sports stories you won't find anywhere else. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting theathletic.com slash Google. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you're getting your podcast. We love doing this thing, and we want to keep bringing you the best Bay Area sports content. We've got some incredible stuff for you in the coming episodes. We're going to talk to David Lombardi of Our Athletic about the San Francisco 49ers, the Jordan Reed signing. Could they be bringing in Ziggy Ansa? All sorts of questions about where the 49ers are going after we thought they didn't have any more money or room on the roster. So David Lombardi joins us on Friday and then a really fun episode on Monday. We're going to talk to Coach John Beam. If you're a Netflix subscriber or a Last Chance U fan, he is the head coach of the Laney College Eagles football team over in Oakland. They are featured on this season, season five of Last Chance U. So that's coming up next Monday. Thanks to Brian Smith. Thanks to Bruce Feldman. We will talk to you guys on Friday.